Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Wise. We're doing some interesting and exciting things at Manufacturing Talk Radio. There's going to be some additions to the show, and we have a new show feature that's coming up today, and I'm going to let Lou introduce that. Lou, how is it up in New Jersey? Well, let me give you a little postscript from our last week's show first, uh, and then we can go step into today's show, which is uh, a bit unique for us. Uh, I, hope they, I hope you all find it uh, of uh, great interest. Uh, last week at our, our global show featuring uh, Chung Wang reporting uh, on manufacturing from China, we have Roy Slow from France reporting on uh, manufacturing from uh, Europe, and Norbert Orr uh, reporting on the PMI Global Report, um, uh, which involves numbers from all over the place. Uh, an interesting show. It certainly does show that uh, uh, things are looking quite optimistic in the manufacturing world. And uh, the numbers that uh, we're showing here in the U.S. are also showing uh, quite a bit of optimism and confidence uh, with uh, the manufacturing group. Uh, today's show, uh, we are having three of the uh, organizations. We're having uh, Jim Warren speaking about the FMA's uh, annual event uh, in New Orleans uh, during uh, the month of March. Tim will give you some of the dates later. Uh, ML Peck uh, speaking about uh, the ISM annual event in Orlando, Florida. And John Kennedy uh, speaking about the State of the State New Jersey Manufacturing event at the end of March. Uh, so, and we are going to uh, have on our website also for the uh, sake of our listeners and visitors to our website, we are going to be having corporate uh, organization and uh, association uh, events uh, listed on our website. So you can always check and see what's coming up, what you want to miss, and what you don't want to miss. Also, uh, just a little heads up on next week's show. Uh, We are having a company that's very unusual, uh, at least in this marketplace of manufacturing. It's called Factory Fix, and it's an Uber-like business model where manufacturing companies can hire uh, on a short-term basis someone that they may need to operate a CNC machine, a welding machine, uh, and various other uh, activities uh, required in a machine shop where the manufacturing company may be shorthanded, somebody's out sick. So it's like an Uber. You make a phone call, you tell them what you need, they show up. Interesting interesting product. Uh, presently, they're not all over the United States yet. They are in uh, different locations, um, but uh, you will hear about it uh, next week in, uh, in greater detail. Uh, Tim, take it away. 
We would like to welcome ML Peck to Manufacturing Talk Radio. She's been on with us before. She is the Chief Content and Marketing Officer for the Institute for Supply Management, a great organization that we've had the privilege of being at their industry events. They have some exciting things coming up that ML is going to share with us. ML, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Tim. Well, I was glad to have you on. What is happening in the world of ISM? Well, right now we're really focusing on our annual conference that will be held May 21st through 24th in Orlando. We also have several other events and educational opportunities. So what is going to happen in Orlando? That sounds great. Well, the focus this year of our annual conference, ISM 2017, is is really to inspire and transform the careers of the more than 2,500 supply, uh, supply management professionals that, that attend. Uh, this year, there's an emphasis on global issues and leading through instability, but as always, the general purpose is really to learn, share, and network with the best and brightest minds in the field. We would encourage your listeners to go to ism2017.org to learn more about all of the speakers and the organizations that will be represented as part of our agenda. Now, you have some very impressive keynote speakers this year. Can you explain who they are and why they're keynoting? Sure. We have uh, General Colin Powell and David Cameron, who's the former Prime Minister of the UK. Um, we're very, very excited about them. You know, in fact, uh, when we made the announcement that those two global figures would be part of our annual conference, we've generated a lot of excitement around the conference already, and we've heard from members that they're thrilled with the full lineup of the speakers that we have. When we were looking at uh, keynotes this year, we were, you know, we we always scan the business environment, the economic environment, political environment. And, you know, frankly, the world is changing, and geopolitics is, is a really hot topic this year. Supply professionals really need to understand the political risk of the supply chain. You know, we, we have to consider the economical impl implications as well as the political implications of our decisions. You know, whether that's uh, China and them controlling the R&D or the U.K. or the U.S., for example, Trump's statement that affects stock prices, and, and our goal with annual conference is to bring in keynotes that really educate our members and customers and help them understand the political risk side of, of these decisions. And when you look at the keynotes, um, you know, General Colin Powell was former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and he has experience running one of the largest supply chains in the world. Uh, he assembled a multi-billion dollar supply chain involving 42 nations during Operation Desert Storm in the Persian Gulf. And, you know, essentially in only a few months, he and his team pulled together millions of coordinated supplies, military goods, machinery, food, weaponry, and other critical spare parts. So he'll talk about high-stake global supply management during a time of chaos and instability and how to deliver a complex supply system when facing immovable deadlines. And Mr. Cameron, of course, has firsthand knowledge of the potential impact of geopolitical events such as Brexit on the global supply chain. And he'll use that wealth of experience as part of his discussion. So he'll speak about his experience navigating geopolitical and public policy issues, many of which, you know, as you know, impact the global supply chain. But he'll also address a range of events in Europe and worldwide and what they could mean to the profession. Oh, that's wow. going to be powerful information. And uh, what two great speakers. We look forward to hearing from them. 
And, Mel, two years ago, ISM introduced something called the ISM Mastery Model, which was a rather dazzling mm-hmm. educational program. This year, uh, and maybe you can't talk about it, but I have to ask, are there uh-huh. any revelations for ISM 2017? Well, we're still building off of the ISM Mastery Model, so that's that's really our foundation. You know, as you said, that that Mastery Model is, is really important to our field. It lists these 16 core competencies that supply management professionals need in order to be successful, and we've got 69 sub competencies that roll up into those 16 core competencies. So it's it's very extensive. And last year we we launched EISM as an extension of the mastery model. So it includes a mastery model assessment as well as uh, tools to close any gaps or further enhance some skills. This year, we've been working really hard on a job task analysis for our certification, the CPSM. And we've gotten some really interesting data and we'll be revising the certification. Um, you know, and, and this is just best practice uh, for mm-hmm. credentials. So it ensures that our credential is current, relevant, and reflects what the audience needs and what what our audience supply management professionals are are doing in their day-to-day jobs. So we'll talk more about that during our annual conference. Also, in the past, uh, ML, you've had, uh, along with uh, ThomasNet, you've had the 30 Under 30 program. Uh, Is that continuing this year as well? It is, and we we will be announcing the winners uh, in the beginning of March. We've got we were very fortunate. We got a couple hundred nominations, um, like we have the past few years. The mm-hmm. nominations again this year, outstanding. This group just continues to amaze and inspire me. Um, so more to come on that, including our megawatt winner, and we'll definitely reach out to you once we uh, announce them. Excellent. And they will also be at annual conference. I remember last year we interviewed, uh, I think, five or six of them, and they were such incredibly bright people. And certainly uh, they were contradictory to the uh, the, the misunderstanding of what millennials are about. Um, and uh, they were really terrific people. We really enjoyed talking with them. Yeah, every, every well, these, year it just continues to amaze me. They are very uh, very bright groups, and uh, we always enjoy uh, talking to them and find out what they're doing in their respective job roles, in their respective companies. Uh, it's always very enlightening to find out what's happening, particularly because they're the ones who are going to be interfacing with some of the new technology that we hear so much about. But sitting here from uh, a manufacturing talk radio perspective uh, in front of a microphone, we don't necessarily either see or get to play with. So. They they work on uh, uh, some fascinating equipment at a fascinating time. Now, they, I imagine, they certainly, go ahead, Demo. Oh, I was just going to say they, they certainly do. And I think one of the misnomers with uh, the millennials is that uh, they need the nati- uh, latest, greatest tech to, because it's cool. Um, this group is not just technology-enabled. They're technology-dependent. And they want technology not for the sake of having the latest and greatest, but for efficiencies, because they are about efficiencies and um, collaboration. And that's what they're looking for in technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, yeah, very, very true. Um, some of the other things that we are watching, and I know that uh, it, it, as it affects the supply chain, um, 
I don't know if you're going to talk about any of these at annual conference, one of which is additive manufacturing. I find mm -hmm. the impact on the supply chain could be significant. Absolutely. In fact, we think it's so important that we have an entirely uh, different conference dedicated to technology in the supply chain, and we will be covering uh, additive manufacturing, robotics, AI, what's that going to mean? And that one's actually March 22nd through 24th in Washington, D.C. We will obviously have some technology uh, sessions at annual conference, and technology and the discussion around technology will be interwoven in all of our various sessions. I mean, it's just a part of our lives now. At the technology conference in Washington, D.C., ML, is there going to be any actual equipment there? We are not going to have equipment there in D.C. Okay, so you're not doing point. an exhibit hall. Okay. No, Good so we'll have, um, we'll have technology suppliers there, which is really beneficial for the attendees so they can, uh, you know, demo some software, but it's really going to be more of the uh, software or walking mm -hmm. through virtual models. I also want to congratulate ISM because you folks are doing a diversity conference here very soon. We are. It's actually uh, March 1st in Orlando, Florida, and we've we've held this this uh, conference for more than 10 years now, and it, it's just critical because diversity is the key to innovation. Whether it's you know diversity of, of thought, diversity of background, diversity of experience, and this conference really really highlights it. It's a very uh, special event that's near and dear to our hearts, um, and. It really uh, brings people together. It's one of the best places to find uh, emerging talent at an annual conference. Um, we have a case competition with um, eight uh, historically black university and colleges. And again, those, those kids, amazing. I'm sure they are. <laughs> uh, are, they, are you doing this as uh, this is a live event, of course? Uh, but are you doing it as a uh, webinar or recording uh, any of these uh, events? We are not. Um, and, you know, we've, we've had discussion about that. But, but the uh, in-person, the face-to-face -face value that you get from the conferences, you can't capture that virtually. And building the networks and the spontaneous discussions that break out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And That's especially true. for the diversity conference, it's, it's absolutely crucial. It's the conference. I can't describe the vibe that goes on there. Uh, it's really neat to see people really genuinely connecting about topics that they're really passionate about. Oh, that's going to be a very exciting conference. I, by the way, because we've attended the ISM conference for a couple of years and mm -hmm. interviewed many of the companies and many of the people there, was surprised to learn, and pardon my ignorance, that you're the largest not-for-profit educational leadership organization around. Is that right? That is true for the supply management field. Wow. So I we are the we're, – we're the premier uh, organization for uh, professional development and learning for the supply management practitioners. And we provide an integrated suite of member-informed, competency-based products and services that span the entire career spectrum. So it comes from the mastery model, the competency-based products and services, and our global network of members and leaders in the supply management field. 
Emil, well, anything else that uh, you want to share with our uh, listeners about ISM 2017 or any of those subjects before we wrap up this segment? Sure. So for for the annual annual conference, ISM 2017, the real value is our speecher, our featured speakers through all of our sessions and the wealth of knowledge that the attendees experience. So this year's attendees are in for quite a event. Uh, quite an event. You know every year we try to make it even better and build upon the successes we've had in the past. So this year we have more than 75 interactive sessions. We have executives from firms like U.S. Steel, DuPont, Dell, Google, Toyota, um, and our learning tracks delve into three key segments that impact our members and customers, economic, business, and professional. We also have our team experience, which includes team seating at the keynotes, as well as one-on-one meetings with some ISM executives at, at no cost. Um, and the goal with that is to get some actionable takeaways that the teams can take back to their employees, employers. And for those members with one to eight years of experience, they can participate in exclusive events and receptions as part of the emerging professional supply chain. Again, start to um, build their network and really focus on topics and education that's relevant for them. And for those who want to double up on the value, we have a three-day CPSM review seminar that will be held before the conference. And we're also offering exam one for the CPSM Certified Professional Supply Management at a special price for all conference attendees. And, you know, while it sounds simple, there's really no substitute for meeting your peers and sharing ideas and collaborating on strategies. And that's what ISM 2017 aims to do. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a terrific event, and uh, we hope to be there. Uh, participating and uh, uh, helping to get your message out as well as getting our message out. Uh, So we look forward to that. Wonderful. We look forward to having you guys back. Well, we appreciate appreciate that. Uh, Tim? And Mel, thank you for your time again with, uh, with Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are always fascinated and excited to learn about things that are happening with ISM. Well, thank you guys for having me. We've been speaking with M.L. Peck, who's the Chief Content and Marketing Officer for the Institute of Supply Management, and we'll be right back. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. Elevate your career and stay ahead of the curve with EISM. Brought to you by the Institute for Supply Management. EISM is the first on-the-go lifestyle-compatible learning initiative in the industry. It features hyper-short 15-minute modules and guided learning courses that can be completed in as few as three weeks, just right for you or your team. It's the world's largest one-stop online learning shop for supply management. Register today at ismelearning.org. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. 
There's a reason ThomasNet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to ThomasNet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. This is Tim Grady. I'm here with uh, Jim Warren, who is the executive director of Fabricators and Manufacturers Association International. And he covers three areas that we're going to be talking about some of the events that are happening related to those three areas. Uh, he oversees education, he oversees membership, and he oversees a foundation which has got a great name called Nuts, Bolts, and Thingamajigs. Well, I just thought that was quite clever. Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be with you guys, Tim and Lou. Thanks. I've 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 wanted to get on your show, and I finally made it. Awesome. <laughs> well, we're glad well, to have I, you. I'd like to point out that if you do uh, ten or more shows, you get a cop, you get a yellow jacket. Oh, I've seen those yellow jackets. Now I'm motivated. All right, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Love that look. Well, Jim, you you've got some events coming up. Uh, in March. I wonder if you would share with our listeners what's happening with those events. Gosh, I would love to. We, uh, we've got a great event, our FMA annual meeting, and we actually, it's a combination of three groups that come together. And if you, just to let you know about the FMA, not only do we represent the people that fabricate and weld metal, we also represent the people that process metal at the metal service centers. So one of our oldest conferences we have here is the Toll Processing Conference, and that's held in conjunction with our Fabricators Leadership Summit, and you guys might be familiar with our Fabricator Magazine. So this is the the Fabricators Leadership Summit, and every year we have a Fabricator of the Year. It's a big deal. They get a cover story in our magazine, and that, uh, that lucky Fabricator is honored at the event. And then for this year... We have a third component. The FMA started uh, doing some managing services for other smaller associations. So we're joined with by the Association of Steel Distributors, ASD, and uh, they're, they've been around for a long time, founded in 1943. So their group will be co-located with us all in uh, joyful New Orleans. And our conference is uh, March 8, 9, and 10, and uh, it's it's a great event. Probably 400 people will be there this year. I'd love to have you guys there broadcasting live if if you've got time and love for New we Orleans. I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, we appreciate the invitation, Lou. How long have we been involved with uh, with FMA? Uh, three years now. Three years now. And awesome. uh, I, I remember uh, the first year uh, we were at the uh, FabTech event and uh, we had an incident uh, as it happens in radio and television we had a issue where a guest didn't show up and we um, Pat Lee was hanging around our booth and we said Pat 
put the earphones on because you're sitting down and you're going to do an interview. And she didn't blink. She didn't blink twice, sat down, and she did a 30-minute interview with us. It was yeah. terrific. She's amazing. She's got a background in, in theater and her knowledge of manufacturing. I, I'm sure she was an outstanding guest. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Very, yeah. very, very good. What can, what can attendees to this conference expect? Um, I'm not as familiar with toll processing as you are. That's yeah. Maybe you can educate our yeah, listeners a bit. Yeah, so those guys, I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, you know, riding down the highway and you pay a toll, right? Um, right. It's not like you don't own the highway. You're just paying for the use of it, you know, to go by. And so think of the mill making the steel, perhaps General Motors, Ford, or somebody has bought it, and it will sit somewhere. It will sit at the toll processors and wait until they're ready for it, and that toll processor might do some leveling or slitting or some something to the steel or maybe nothing. And then it uh, it moves on to the customer and then there's a metal service center that will provide full services, cut, slit, laser, anything you want, pickling. So it's it's that important uh, supply chain of taking care of our steel from the mill and getting it ready for the fabricator or stamper to, to process it. And that's really what those guys are into. They get into the weeds of the technology and the know-how of preparing that metal. And if, if you guys are paying attention to the auto industry, you know, they're making that steel harder and harder and lighter and lighter all the time. So it's a real devil to slit, fabricate, and get it into the shape that we want. So there's a lot of education we do on these advanced high-strength steels during this toll processing conference. So they've traditionally brought 100 and 150 people out annually to this event. So it's it's been a real good one for the FMA, and it's it's an event that's been around for over 20 years. So that... That's the one component. I don't know if you guys have any questions about that or want to know more. Well, let me, let me ask you a question. Uh, you know, one of the primary uh, problem areas in the country is uh, the skills gap. Uh, how, how, is, how are you involved with that? Because I'm sure your educational uh, programs and such are looking to uh, deal with that issue. So uh, give us a little insight into that. Absolutely. So we do, you're right, Lou, we do a fair amount of training for people that are established and in the industries, kind of, we, we kind of joke, I can say this because I have one, kind of the cotton tops, you know, people that have been around the block a little bit. We have a whole training program for them, but in a way that's preaching to the choir. So you're right, we're well into um youth and and our big thing is to do summer manufacturing camps and i'm glad you asked about that we we actually just finished our application process because schools can apply to us for funds to do these summer camps and we've got 61 camps coming this summer and really? and it's it's the largest amount we've ever done and our our grant start out at about $2500 for the first year so a school, typically a community college or tech ed center, will apply to us and we'll grant the money and then they'll go out and get more money, matching funds, and then the faculty there will put it together. The course will get into the catalog for the community college or the tech college that goes out just about now. So parents can plan for their kids to go to these camps and then the camp will happen in the summer. And 
and we'll have, um, if it all proves out, you'll see about 1,200 kids go through all our camps. And all the Nuts, Bolts, and Thingamajigs branding will be part of that. T-shirts, we have a curriculum that we give the school, but it's really up to the school to figure out what the kids will make when they come to that camp. And these are typically a week long. And the kids will come in, they'll work on SolidWorks, they'll design something, they'll make it, they'll paint it and finish it, and then the parents will come, and there'll be a big ceremony at the end of the week, and then they'll do plant tours. So we that's one way we get after it. Let me, let me ask you another question. Uh, one of the things that uh, Tim and I have experienced over these last several years of Manufacturing Talk Radio is, uh, you know, the parent trap where the parents are into, you know, my kid, first generation, second generation and such, should, should go to college and, you know, really make a, make a star out of themselves by going to college. And then, of right. course, uh, the, the, new, the new issue is, of course, they go to college, they graduate, they've got a hundred, $200,000 debt, can't get yep. a job, move back with mom and dad. And part of the problem, of course, is the parent. And right. So how, and I, I gather you're dealing with that issue of yep. uh, also educating the parent. We 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 get after that too, and and I'll I'll come at it one way to get to a to another. But one one thing we do at our foundation, the second prong is we do give scholarships, but we target most of those scholarships just for two year schools. That's our policy. Mm-hmm. We do have some endowed scholarships that are for kids going to two-year or four-year, but primarily we go after because that's who our members are hiring. You know, we don't, you don't need a four-year degree. We need you in that program. And, and a lot of times the kids, kids are hired right, they're snapped right up. They can't even finish their two-year degree. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and that's okay because our members, they'll help them pay for the rest of their degree. So we're going after them that way. Um, the other thing that, that we started um, – Many people might not know this, but FMA is the founder of Manufacturing Day. So I'm proud of the fact that FMA, in all my programming, I don't do a program unless I have a plant tour. But, again, it's it's like preaching to the choir. Those plant tours normally are for adults that are already in the industry. We created right. Manufacturing Day in our logo with the open door. Open the plant so everybody can come through on the first Friday in October. And mm-hmm. that was intended for schools, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, to, as a way to start to dispel this notion that you can't make big money in manufacturing. You know, it's dirty. It's icky. You know, manufacturing is Star Wars. It's it's high-tech. Automation has come at a feverish rate in our industry. Um, robots have never been more affordable. Um, the programming and automation you'll see in a job shop now, is it's just fascinating. So... By doing Manufacturing Day, and last year we had a, we were just 22,806 events across the United States that were amazing. It is, it's amazing, and you really you can go every state had them. Uh, we're partnered with NAM, of course, and the Department of Commerce, the NIST um, MEP program as part of the Department of Commerce. Great partners. Um, we just knock it out of the park. FMA has been on the point to build a great website and make it easy for all these companies to jump on, register your event. They can do everything on that website and get all kind of resources. 
and uh, we just feel like we're making a big difference. And Lou, I couldn't agree more with you. You got to get after those parents. Everybody does not need to go to college. It is very expensive. Uh, such a great buy to go to a community or trade school, and, and make such a nice living. So we're we're right there with you. We're 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 going after those parents, and we're going after those kids. You know, those camps are for kids in middle school. So right. our hope is we we get them in the camp, and then we're attacking them with our scholarship offer, and we get them to give us a look. So between that, those three things, we feel like we're making some kind of difference. Um, yeah. And our, Tim and, and our, oh, Tim, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Tim and I have also been involved with uh, Manufacturing Day now the last three years. And frankly, uh, and it was the second year that uh, Manufacturing Day existed. And we were really quite amazed at the, particularly the growth over just the last three years even though it's four years old now. And we uh, took a group uh, last year to uh, Manufacturing Day at uh, NJIT in New Jersey. And we interviewed uh, eight or ten students. And they, they are some of the brightest kids that we've run across ever. I mean, they, they, matter of fact, I'll never forget one of them. He started talking some high-tech stuff, and I said, you know, I don't understand a word you're saying, so why don't you just take over the interview? And he did. He was just <laughs> terrific. He was just great, really a smart kid. And every one of them, and I asked them the same question, how did your parents deal with the fact that you wanted to go into manufacturing? And in each and every one of the situations, the parents were very supportive. And apparently the parents got it, that college is not the end all, and that uh, you can have a a good career and a good life and make some good money uh, being in the manufacturing sector. Absolutely. I thank you so much for for what you guys have done for that. we've, We've really, you know, we've got partnered up with Deloitte. And if you go on the Manufacturing Day website, um, these numbers will blow you away. And I'll just pull one of them out. You know, you know, at the hundreds of thousands of kids that went to these things across the United States, we're showing a number um, of 84% are more convinced manufacturing provides careers that are interesting and rewarding. So we take the time and spend the money to to survey these kids after the fact, and these numbers are mind-boggling. You know, 88% activities and tours were interesting and engaging. Agree. Um, so I, I welcome you guys to look at those numbers, and thank you for helping us. I mean, with your platform, you can make it bigger, and I think you have. Well, we're we're doing our best. Uh, Tim and I started this on a little different note, but we found that uh, – this is a, is rewarding, and we're doing something that we feel is uh, very helpful to our economy and to manufacturing. And I've been in manufacturing now for you know uh, fifty something years, and uh, <laughs> Tim is Tim has been with me for twenty twenty four years, uh, almost as long as I'm married to my wife. And uh, we really enjoy doing what we're doing, and we enjoy uh, these interviews and getting them out to the general public. And uh, I love it. I I thank you for participating with us. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to love to come back on. I've 
I have so much more to tell you guys, and uh, I, it, whenever you have an opening, I'd love to get back on and share more. Well, we're, we're going to make a, we're going to make a point of that. Uh, Jim, just a quick question: If I'm a parent, how do I find out about one of these camps in my area? Yeah, so we we have all the camps um, will be listed on our website, and if they go to nutsboltsandthingamajigs.org, um, they will see where the camp opportunities are. And okay. if a, if a parent is disappointed and doesn't see a camp in their area, I would I would really welcome them to call us because we'll work on the local school to have one the next year. Well, oh, would you great. like to give us your would you like to give us your uh URL uh address or your email address so that our listeners can do exactly that? Absolutely. Let me just make sure I give you the right one here. <laughs> Hold on a sec. Yeah. Yeah, if they come to fmanet.org, they're going to be able to get to everything that FMA offers, including our nuts, bolts, and thingamajigs, um, any info on our shows or magazines, and all the stuff that I'm doing with these annual meetings. It's probably the best place for them to come and the easiest URL to say on your program. And then they'll they'll see all our websites listed on that page. Very Great, good. Jim. We appreciate it. And we just want to remind all the parents that, if you think manufacturing is dark, dirty, and dangerous and not a great place to make a living, we would certainly encourage you to check out fmanet.org, and you're going to find a very different picture than what you expected. Jim, thanks for being with us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Yep. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate right. it. Thanks, Jim. You take, take care. care now. Speaking with us now is John Kennedy. He is the CEO of the New Jersey MEP, or Manufacturing Extension Partnership fascinating organization does a lot of great work in the state of New Jersey. There's also a national organization. John could be speaking to us about what's happening with the national organization and also with his local. John, welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Uh, thanks, Tim and Lou. Good to be here. Uh, we like having you all the time. So, John, what's happening with, and maybe you can give some background so people understand or listeners understand just what MEP is and what NIST is and what this national organization is. What's happening with the national organization? Well, as you guys well know, uh, know, NIST, MEP, which is the National Institute of Standard and Technologies, uh, you know, it's part of the U.S. Department of Commerce and – they have what they call cooperative agreements with companies uh, like NJMEP in every state plus Puerto Rico, uh, which is 51 of us across the country. And our mission is to uh, engage, work, and help uh, with manufacturers, especially small and uh, mid-size uh, uh, manufacturers. Uh, we're not a we're not an entity of the government, uh, and we have to earn money to exist, but we're okay with that because uh, we need more help in manufacturing as uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio knows. Very true. Now, the the national organization is doing a summit. Is that correct, out in Colorado? Yeah, that's uh, true. It'll be coming up uh, May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of this this year. They used to... The summits uh, every year, but if you remember about five or six years ago, 
everybody in the government was taking flack about uh, conferences and so on. Uh, but our conferences are a lot different. They're more for the industry and uh, and best practices and trying to find uh you know better ways to uh to interact and help manufacturers uh but it was decided at that time that we better uh back off a little and uh and and revamp um so yep so, we're going to so be you, out in Denver so do you think that uh the legalization of marijuana in Colorado has anything to do with this year's event for MEP national well, you know, that's more farming, uh, Lou, but, uh, you know, manufacturing, you know, you, you know, it all fits. Uh, okay. Yeah, there's some, I'm sure there's some high-tech manufacturing tubing and lighting and watering. Maybe we'll get a tour of a plant. Maybe we'll interview, maybe we'll interview one of the farmers out there. There you go. I was talking one of the growers. Well, that sounds like a, a great event that they're putting together. I'm glad they're doing a national. We've had the pleasure of working with John for a number of years on the local level in New Jersey, and we're excited to be able to work with the national group. Uh, John, is there an, an MEP, did you say, in every state in Puerto Rico? Is that right? Yep, uh, 51 of us. Okay. Now, you're also doing something at the local level. You have an event coming up for New Jersey. Is that correct? Yes, uh, we're initiating an event. Uh, you guys have been a great part of our Manufacturing Day event, uh, which happens the first Friday of every October, uh, and uh, and that's superb because that's uh, that's open to everybody. Uh, but what we wanted to do this year is is have something in March. Uh, in this case, it'll be the 29th and 31st. We'll be having the same event in two different. Uh, locations, uh, one in Morris County, one in Trenton, and it's the State of the State of Manufacturing Report uh, for New Jersey. And most of the people that will be engaged will be either um, governor, lieutenant governor, senators, assembly people, and then manufacturers. Uh, it's not an open event per se. Uh, certainly if it fit into uh, manufacturing talk radios, uh, we might uh, think it's great to have you guys along for one way or another, but uh, it's not open to, uh, you know, academics and uh, resources and consultants. Simply what we want to do is, uh, is address uh, the issues brought to us by the uh, manufacturers and open a better conversation. As, as Lou, you especially know, in New Jersey, uh, there isn't a great relationship between the industry and the uh, and the government. And and I don't I've think I've heard that. Yeah, I'm sure you have. <laughs> and I'm sure there's not intent on either side. It's just the way it's evolved, and we need to change that. So, our advisory board uh, put together a petition with four main areas of discussion: workforce development taxes, um, the Department of, uh, you know, Environmental Protection, and uh, to be able to discuss how these impact, you know, New Jersey manufacturers and what can be done to help change it. 
The fourth item is a little different. It's talking about the investment, you know, how, how we do some great things with Choose New Jersey and the EDA, but that it doesn't always help um, most of the smaller manufacturers. So, you know, it's not a matter of throwing rocks at anybody. It's a matter of opening up the discussion, and we intend to make this an annual event. Well, if you could, uh, John, uh, send us a uh, email uh, about it and let us take a look at it, and we'll get back to you about that. Uh, yeah, I said, it's always great to have you guys along. I think you have a different impact, and, and we need to use we, meaning the the, the nation uh, and the NIST MEP has to use manufacturing talk radio to our, to our advantage better, uh, and we're not doing that yet. Well, we thank you for those comments. John, uh, in terms of manufacturing in the state of New Jersey, say over the last 10 or 15 years, where has it been in terms of number of manufacturers and number of employees? Has it been pretty stable or up or down? Uh, There's been a decline over the years, but part of that is – it's just the pure evolution of the industry, Tim. You know, I mean, companies are doing more with less. But the problem is is that, you know, we have about 11,000 manufacturers. We have about 4,200 STEM and uh, what I call STEM support companies, engineering, logistics, uh, service and maintenance firms. And if you include all of the sectors – uh, which includes bio life sciences, they certainly manufacture. There's over 400,000 employees, so that's a heck of a chunk. The, the difference is is that people have uh, assumed that what they heard that manufacturing's dead and there's no manufacturing in New Jersey, they actually thought that somebody with uh, knowledge said those things, and that's not reality, you know. So most of these companies, recently I did a uh, two-question survey. The first question was, what job can't you fill? And the second part of the question is, how many uh, how many people do you need right now? And uh, in a short response time, it's still out there, um, there's th- over 3,000 jobs, people that can't, can't find, you know, can't find people to fill these positions. People aren't going into manufacturing, uh, and we need that because these are high-paying jobs, and as you guys know, one manufacturing job leads to four other uh, jobs, and there's no other industry that does that. I think that from what Tim and I hear uh, around the country and through a lot of our uh, sources and connections, it seems as though that there's a lot more talk going on about manufacturing. And it's not just uh, since President uh, uh, Trump has uh, come to uh, come to office, there has been a lot more, and we hear it all over the country. So, and and the things that we are hearing is that is is a lot of it is at the local level, the state level, the state schools, the state uh, vocational schools, the technical schools, and many of them actually are. Uh, actually, we spoke to a gentleman uh, last week, a uh, company out in Indiana, who they donated uh, $100,000, corporate funds, to a school to hire a, um, a technician, 
machinist to teach in the high school kids how to do machining. And they put this whole program together. And so far they've turned out 60 kids that went through the program who are now out there uh, getting jobs because they have skills. So I think the message is getting out there slowly, but it's better than it was before Tim and I started Manufacturing Talk Radio three years ago. Uh, I'm not saying that we have anything to do with it. We would like to think that we do. But I think I think the story is beginning to reach uh, uh, many levels, including the, uh, you know, what, what we call the parent trap, uh, where parents are uh, beginning to recognize that maybe there's maybe their student child doesn't uh, have the uh, skill sets to go to school, but they do have the skill sets to make things. So again, we're hearing a lot more of it. It's slow. Uh, if it doesn't pick up, we're going to be you'll have three million people. Uh, three million jobs available in what was it a decade I think um, but again I think that this, it is beginning to reach levels that people are beginning to hear it understand it and uh, people such as yourself all over the country are doing your best to get the word out and we like to think we're helping that well, I think you are sure. because uh, you know we the conversation has to happen. The fact that we everything we touch is manufactured, everything we use right. is manufactured by somebody, why shouldn't it be manufactured here in the United States? You know, and, and your, your point's well taken because I was reading recently that only 40% of us, you know, come out with any type of degree, associates or, uh, or bachelor's, Correct. A college degree. So what Correct. do the other 60% do? Of course they do great work. It's just a different different uh, type of, uh, you know, profession to, to think. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, though, that when I did this, uh, this survey uh, a couple years ago and asking what job can't you fill, I had 1,300 responses from New Jersey manufacturers. And here are the top five positions that they cannot fill in order. One, technical sales. Two, machinist CNC slash CNC. Three, engineering. Four, welder. Five, cost accountant. So if you look at those, two to three of those need college degrees anyway. So you know, these these are companies that need a variety of people. And, yes, they need production skill sets, but they also need the people that are actually part of the business. And that gets lost sometimes, Lou. You know, I, I don't think we realize that manufacturers do everything everybody else's business does and then also make stuff. <laughs> you know, they're on Route 80 – in Patterson, New Jersey, they have one of these huge new electronic signs, and and I, I, unfortunately, I don't. It's, it's a bad sign because I don't remember the name of the school in Patterson, but the sign reads, "Do you want to become a welder and earn eighty thousand dollars a year in eight months?" 
And then the other sign that flashes up, do you want to become a welder and have your own, uh, not a welder, a plumber? Do you want to have your own plumbing company and earn whatever the dollars were? And that's flashing in Patterson, which is a, obviously a, uh, uh, and unfortunately a low-income area. And uh, they got that message on Route 80. There's hundreds of thousands of cars passing there every day. As a matter of fact, Tim, maybe we should be calling that school and get them on the show. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. They're obviously very aggressive about it. And, and I, I chuckle when I hear people uh, kind of reference welders as uh, you know, not the brightest guy on the block. I've held a torch in my hand, and you better know what you're doing with that thing <laughs> because it is a real skill to be able to – you think of the things that they put together, ships, boilers, you know, things that you want to float and not blow up. Uh, uh, connections on pipes, railing. It's amazing what's out there that's being welded. And like you said, John, everything you touch is manufactured. And when you walk around in your everyday life and look around, a lot of it's been welded together. Fascinating stuff. I'll take well, that one step. If you I'll look at it, guys, a, a, a welder is a metallurgist. You know, you you have to understand temperatures, you know, and you have to understand what goes together well and how you, you know, you have how you do this. You know, but people look at it and think of these skill sets as less than intelligent. And that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. When I owned my manufacturing plant over in, in Irvington uh, in New Jersey, I had 42 machinists. And you know what? While none of them were degreed, Every one of them was an excellent engineer. Hmm. Yeah, I'll take that welding story one step further. A an above the water line welder makes eighty thousand dollars a year. The <laughs> right. under the yeah. underwater guy makes one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, and he has to know two skill sets: how to weld and how to survive a hundred feet under the water. Very true. It's incredible the stuff that they do. Well, John, we appreciate having you on Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are grateful for the work that you do trying to get manufacturers connected with students and government and move this forward. I think your event in March sounds terrific. I think you're right. It's a conversation that needs to take place. I think it's a conversation that needs to take place now all over the country, and I hope that, that the current administration in Washington is also aware of it getting the regulations out of the way, getting the issues out of the way, and moving manufacturing forward. Thank you for the work that you do. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you guys for the work that you do on both sides as a manufacturer and also as an advocate for this critical industry. Appreciate it always. And thank you, uh, John, and we'll be talking to you soon. Sounds good. I need two more appearances to get that jacket. No problem. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> and All just right, for those who don't know it, just for those who don't know what John is talking about, we're the guys with the screaming yellow jackets. So that being said, two more two more shows, and you got yourself your, your yellow jacket. That's right. It's like winning the Masters. What What's your size, John? Uh, 
44. All right. All right, guys. We'll talk to you Take soon. Take care. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.